0: what's up everybody It's chef Jordan Chiton, and you are now tuned in to chefish and today we have my girl chef Diana Joseph right <laughs> yes she goes by chef day so just so y'all know but you know when I do the intro we got to get that good government so you guys know <laughs> who to get your google on for and so chef Diana was actually born in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And at seven years old, she left Haiti and moved to Miami, Florida, mm-hmm. grew up there. And then from there, she went to New York at about 20. And when she went to New York, she was actually studying fashion. I mean, because look at her. She's a fashion <laughs> girl. Okay. From the nice head girl. to the toe. <laughs> um, So she was studying fashion for about a year and she found herself to be unfulfilled. She wasn't really happy and she wanted to dive a little deeper and figure out what her actual passion was. And it'll be for the moment because she's kind of like an eclectic artistry (laughs) type of person. So she is a private chef. She's an executive chef. She's been on a few shows. So Mm -hmm. you've seen her on a few. She's a TV personality (laughs) chef as well. And most recently, She has been the executive chef at the Thompson Hotel, but when she came to Atlanta, she helped open up apartment 4B. And when Mm -hmm. apartment 4B first opened, it was one of the, it's still one of the busiest restaurants in the city, but it was a big deal. The whole, it was a whole cultural movement and she brought elevated Caribbean cuisine. And That's actually how I became a fan of hers. So for my Chevy's out there wondering how do I know her? (laughs) That's how I know her. I saw one of her plates and it the colors were just they popped and you could tell that there were layers of flavor and a lot of thought. And then I found out about Apartment 4 B and I started becoming a fan and started following her. So if y'all are wondering, how do I know her? That's how. So welcome again thanks, thanks. to my lovely brown
1: couch. Love the brown couch. This is good. It's got good, good vibes to like chill
0: on. Got a little character <laughs> up in it. You know what I'm saying? So, before I pass it on to you and you give it to us in your own words, you actually worked for the Dynex Group mm-hmm. in New York. And you worked with, how do you pronounce his name?
1: Ballude? Her- yes. So, I worked at the Dynex Group in New York City. It's owned by Chef Danielle Belude. Right. He is a three Michelin star chef through and through and through and through again who has a michelin star flagship called danielle restaurant danielle yes and where she worked at and where i worked at in new york and multiple other locations like all over the world so he's like the french chef right Right. you know like he's the guy right so
0: yeah because you're french and italian trained in fine dining though so that's something that we should also get a clear understanding on she's Everything to do with her is elevated, oh. high fashion. Thanks, You're girl. definitely <laughs> spending money. I associate with her with luxury. And she's definitely worth it. Okay, oh, so you, <laughs> so from there, you also had started doing some cooking classes for and nutritional things mm-hmm. for kids in Brooklyn before you came down to Atlanta. Because mm-hmm. I want to make sure I kind of include that in your story before I give it over to you. So yeah, you, I can plant little seeds or something that you. Might
1: yeah, so tell us a little more about. Yeah, definitely. I worked with this program called Brooklyn Supported Agriculture, and I taught culinary arts and nutrition. To middle school and elementary school students in, like, you know, underprivileged spaces that were mostly food deserts in Brooklyn, where they only had bodegas and Chinese stop- shops. So, right. got to teach them vegetable li- literacy and how to cook and eat better. A beautiful and, thing. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. It's, that's honestly, that was like some of the best. Fulfilling, stuff I've ever done. right? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: I love that. And then you also had started working with. Spring place studios, Mm -hmm. and you started creating recipes and things Mm -hmm. for them. Girl, you
1: did your homework. Wait a minute. We did. we did This is a a full
0: production. I want y'all to know. I took this serious. You're reminding me of my resume. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did do that. You you did do that, girl, because I feel like (laughs) sometimes, well, I really do like to do my homework on my mm-hmm. guests because you're taking your time mm-hmm. and I am a fan. So anybody that comes here, either I'm a fan of theirs, I admire their work or they're a friend. So yeah. I, it's, everybody ain't going to be here. You yes. know what I'm saying? It ain't for everybody. But I do admire you. So that's why you're here. But I definitely do my homework. The whole pl- purpose of this platform is to give us a space to tell our stories. Right. Because sometimes when we are forward facing, it's bits and pieces and we don't really have the control over the narrative. So that's That's my whole thing with doing this. So welcome again. Thank you, girl. And thank you. And so to get into the, um, I got to move my note cards over here. So I know that I gave a brief intro, but can you tell me a little bit what it was like moving from Haiti to Florida? Hmm. I only really remember bits
1: and pieces. Like I remember my first time landing in Miami international and seeing how much that all the lights and thinking to myself, Oh my God, they have current all the time. So we call current electricity, current. Okay. Outside of the United States, it's known as current. So like, I remember getting off the plane and be like, Oh my God, they have lights all the time. And I also remember just being big, Bushy eye, just wide eyed just was like, oh my god, this is everything I've ever wanted to be a part of. This is where my life begins, right? Like a sponge. Yeah, immediately. Like mm-hmm. I'll never forget that plane ride because my cousins took us to Burger King and they handed me an American burger for the first time and I was like, what is this? So what I did not it? like it. No, it took me
0: years to eat a hamburger because I well, was like, Oof. well, because in the islands it's it's there there's no burgers no there is not even that it's not burgers they're not trying to kill you through the food it's
1: not (laughs) there's no fast food right just like the milk here that's one of the things that i also remember as a child coming here the milk is so watery here and Mm -hmm. it's like that really white color like milk that i'm used to is like off color that's maybe like off white and it's really thick and the taste is completely different from the milk here so those are the things i really remember like fresh off the plane you know, coming to the States for the first time.
0: I love that. <laughs> yeah. So then when you left, um, M- Miami and you moved to New York, what was that? Cause that's a totally different. Yeah. That was honestly,
1: I was what? Like 20, 20. Yeah. I was 20. Cause what, what made 21? you take that leap? Um, my closest, uh, aunt, her name is Junia. Mm. Uh, Junia is the American pronunciation but Junya she passed away she was 34 okay Um. she was my best friend I used to stay up at night and tell her all my dreams and aspirations and all the things I was gonna do and one of the things was moving to New York and becoming like a big star right because okay. I wanted to be a fashion designer at the time right she passed away but she had also gone to New York, but she couldn't really make it in New York. I think she lived in New York for like maybe three or four months and she came back home running.
0: Okay. Um, like <laughs> it's dirty. It's hard. I don't want to do it. And well, so, I've always said New York will chew you up and spit you out before it it'll ever bless you. Like you really yeah. have to, when you, when you move to New York off of a dream, yeah. you really got to be willing to struggle. Yeah. Like I have five of the mouse and Joel the roach. When you I just don't
1: even <laughs> know. You don't even know you're going to struggle. That's yeah. the thing that they don't tell you about New York is yeah. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, but you have no idea. What, what the they're struggle. talking about. Yeah, because I moved up there with like $10,000. Oh, that time, was better than me. And at the time, I That's had a good start. Was, right. I sold my car. I had my tax returns. I made a lot of money in fashion because I was like okay. a stylist. I mean, I've been a hustler all my life, right? I was a stylist. I okay. used to sell things. So I made it to New York with 10 grand thinking, oh, I'm Carrie Bradshaw on Sex and the City. Right. And I spent like I was Carrie Bradshaw in Sex oh, and the City. No. And then I was broke in like three months. Oh, <laughs> so, no. Oh, shit. So, yeah, that's the struggles they don't tell you. They don't tell you that like all you see on TV is not real.
0: I came with $3,000 and I made it work.
1: But here's the thing. I think compar- comparatively, we probably did a little bit of the same thing because- either way my 10 tier 3 yeah. doesn't make a difference if you're not locked in and you don't know what you're doing I didn't
0: know what I was doing <laughs> I was make, they wouldn't give me a job in restaurants I could only make $7.49 an hour when I first got got out here mm-hmm. in, or to New York so mm-hmm. it's definitely been a learning experience yeah, along is. the way yeah. um, but I was arrogant because I was from Seattle Washington and I was like oh I'm making $20 an hour yeah. I'm, the, I'm right under the su I'm the lead supervisor you know mm-hmm. I graduated culinary you know whatever New York was this like guy, we I don't, don't care, and you have New York experience. We don't want you here. Oh beer. yeah, and yeah. I'm like, how am I going to get New York experience if no one will hire me? No <laughs> one will hire me. Yeah. So okay, so now for the starter, mm-hmm. just to give my listeners um, a taste, what was it like working for the Dynex Group, and what is the Dynex Group?
1: Um, so the Dynex Group is a compilation of all Chef Daniel Belude's restaurants and investments and all the things that. You know, he owns, right? But it's a it's made up of all these different corporate chefs and partners and heads and it's all that. So what they have is they have like this kind of like uh training system where you could start at okay. Garmanger and you could work yourself up to becoming a chef, etc. etc. Yes. Yes. Working there was like the military. It was the brigade. Yes. Um I couldn't do this, these was not a thing. No. Couldn't do this, that was not a thing. Um I have my locks wrapped up. And then my toque on top, you know, the little hat. Yeah. Toque on top, just pulled back, no makeup, fresh face. Actually, I'm I'm lying. I wore makeup. I do not care.
0: Because I'm going to be... I only did um mascara and like filled in my oh, eyebrows. Babe, I, I still did. Sometimes I did. I yeah. shadowed when I had time, but yeah. I like the grill and the saute. Yeah. So the heat and the yeah. flames, it didn't always yeah. like work. But that was my rebel yeah. against the uniform. I hated uniforms, so so so, I feel so you. yeah. It was the checkered pants,
1: the ill fitting chef coat, and all the all the women in there looked like little boys. And okay. all the men were just men so I to stand apart wearing makeup was something that I did because I was like if I'm going to be here all this time I'm going to like look the way I I'm going to look the way I want and I have this thing you know look good feel good you right. know you look good you feel good so but working at dinex was the military they <laughs> it literally was like assembly line cooking yes chef no chef and like I remember one time I was seasoning something and one of my chefs came up to me and said that's enough uh, salt. But the salt shaker I was using, it wasn't coming out. So I started to say, oh, chef, it wasn't coming out. So I'm trying to, he's like, uh, uh. he said, no. Yes, chef is all I ever want to hear. And it was, I'll never forget that because it was so humbling. And I was like, oh my God, like I can't even, because I'm, I'm an explainer. Right. Right. I think that kitchen taught me boundaries and discipline. Right. Because me, I want to tell you why I want to do the thing and why you can't do the Bosses thing. Don't he hear said, it. no, he said, no, it's a no. Yeah. It's a no. It's a do what I said. It's 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 yes, chef. So that's the space that it was. You hear that? Yes, chef. Mm -hmm.
0: A lot of people in the industry, um, I feel like because of the rise of social media, haven't necessarily had formal training. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, the more descriptive you are about that, the better it is for my my chefies. And so since we did just get a little bit of taste. Okay. And Mm -hmm. so now let's get into the main course. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me when exactly did you fall in love with food? hmm
1: okay so i can't say exactly when i fell in love with food but i can tell you when i committed to food okay right because like we'll take we'll take a commitment a commitment because i don't com- <laughs> no, I do okay. It. Okay. <laughs> okay i'm a little i commit i commit i commit to are things are you a toxic lover no toxic? i'm a lovely lover <laughs> i am the loveliest loves that love ever has i i'm afraid not afraid i have an apprehension to certain things to commit to certain things when they don't feel well Mm -hmm. feel right right because i'm a feelings person right right um so yeah let's talk about me committing (laughs) my my no my committing to food not committing to work because that's a whole nother thing like i believe that your job your work all that it's all different Anyway, um i was 22 okay I like uh, that you're giving me numbers. Yeah, because I remember, girl. I'm like an elephant. I don't forget nothing. Okay. Um, except for things I'm supposed to remember. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was 22, and I had my heart broken. Okay. Like ripped out of my heart for the first time ever. Right. I used to be the the woman, the person who would love him and leave them. So maybe I'm a little toxic. Um, <laughs> see, I <think> I- <laughs> but uh, so I had this guy break my heart. He was like 30 something. I'm 22. He like kind of love bombed me, right? Like gave me everything I needed, and then decided I don't want you no One more. One day, done. And in the midst of doing that, I was I was still working in fashion. Um, I had, I mean, I was, I was like, can I cuss? Yes, I was bullshitting in my, at my job. I didn't really care about my job. I had this man who I thought was gonna be my husband. Just young girl stuff, right? So he he dumped me in the process. I had already Damn. lost my job. Because I wasn't, I wasn't going to work. I was playing housewife, cooking for him and whatnot. Right. And when he broke up with me, he, I remember sitting in the middle of like uh meatpacking district in New York and he calls me and he was one of those like really fucked up type of people who like told you he didn't want you, but still like dangling a carrot in front of you. Anywho, he said, he says like, yeah, I'm on a plane right now. I'm headed to this European vacation. Right. And here I am 22 broke. Right. No job, no prospects. I've been fucking off for the past like three, four months Right, behind on my rent. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I have nothing. Right. And I prayed in that moment. And I said, I want something that someone no one can ever take anything from me. I want something I could commit to, something I can build discipline in, I can grow in, I can can learn, I can make it my own and no one will ever take it away from me. And I had to tune into what that might be. And for me, it was food because I was so curious about food. I really wanted to learn more. You know, I started catering on the side here and there and I called myself chef, but I knew I wasn't a chef and I knew I needed the formal training and I couldn't afford to go to culinary school. Right. So I was like, I have to work for this. So I prayed for the Strength and the tenacity and the understanding to figure out how to pace myself into this new occupation, you know, because right. this whole time, you know, oh, I forgot to say, I was in law school for a year, gave up on that because I was like, this is hard.
0: Um, <laughs> and I wasn't into it. Shout like, out to law school, it wasn't, it wasn't so long. I will be a lawyer,
1: right? Me too, right? Because I love to talk, like, I pay to me argue. to talk all day, pay me to argue,
0: <laughs> and so.
1: And so, yeah, so I remember praying and just, and and when I was praying for that thing, I knew that it was food. I knew that it was becoming a chef, okay. but I was praying for that thing that no one could ever take away from me that I can really dive into. And that's when I committed to food. That very moment when so-and-so told me he was on a freaking European vacation and I had no job. And I'm like... Never again would I allow anything or anyone get in between me and my work. And that's when I discovered my work. Not my job, my work. There's a whole difference between that. And maybe I'll explain if you give me an opportunity. But. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, we're in the main course. So if yeah. you want to give that breakdown, you can. So Edu- tell the chefies out there. Chefies, hospital- hospitality folk,
1: service workers, anybody who gifts their time, their body, their aptitude, their IQ, their talents to the betterment of other people or sometimes even to the use of other people for profit. You must remember there are two separate there are separate things between your work and your job. Two. Two. Your job is the thing that puts food on the table. Right capitalism is what it is like you're either going to make some money or not however you make your money that's your job right your work is what god has put you here to do it is the thing that makes you of service to people it is the legacy you leave behind and let's let's say for PC's sake let's take god out of the equation whether you believe in the ancestors Oshun, I call Vial, purpose work. anywho anybody the anything purpose. you know that's higher than yourself right Your work is to discover what that is and give back, right? Because we all have all these talents, whether it's in food or photography or XYZ, that in in so many ways, we're beacons of light and we're passageways to show the world that there is something bigger than us, something bigger than our egos and capitalism and the little things that we find so much like so much, uh, so much love in other than just being right. Right. Um, That's your work. You have to discover what that work is. And that work could look like anything from being of service to the people in your life, being of service to your friends and family, being of service to your community, being of service to the world. Like the greatest people in, in the world, the people we look up to, the people we I mean, the celebrities even, you know, they find their work, whether that's to entertain people, to save people's lives. Right. That is a difference. And that work never stops. Your job stops. You know, right. your job changes. Your job isn't what it is anymore. You change your mind about what you want to do, you know, but your work is to always like you, when you lock into that purpose and people, some people call it purpose. Yeah. Some people call it alignment.
0: I call it my purpose work, you know,
1: but I call it work, but still the, the name work is in it, right? right? Because it's something you do every day, or right. you could even say your practice, right. right? Because as a doctor, they're like, Oh, where do you practice? Because that, never stops. When you're a doctor, you don't just become a doctor. You got to keep practicing. Yeah. Everybody that you treat is a practice, unfortunately, unfortunately, but right. So, yeah. So your work, you, I think one of the biggest ways that I found peace and not attaching my worth Mm -hmm. to my job is understanding that my job is not my worth or my work. Right. You know, because when you name yourself and when you have a title, Right. So my title is chef. Right. Your title is chef. Right. So and so's title could be esquire or doctor. Right,
0: producer, producer, videographer, <laughs> all that.
1: You know the the engineer. The, what you name yourself, what you name yourself, somehow, sometimes, and oftentimes becomes your whole identity. Right. And you become engulfed in that name. Yes. Right? And so sometimes you can't even see outside of that name Who are given you giving yourself. Who are you? Who are you if you're else? not a chef? Exactly. Exactly. So my name might be Chef Day and I'm going to keep it because it's catchy and you're going to see it in lights. Yes. But that's not my work. My work is not just to be a chef. My right. work is to be a beacon of light, to be a reflection of love and to be a reflection of God on this material surface. Right? right. So that has brought me a lot of peace when i run into walls and run into
0: obstacles with this job. Right. Cuz this job, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and and we we'll, and we will get into that, but before i i we we start talking about, you know, being an executive chef in corporate spaces, um, before you like left new york and came down here, um, you did a Supper club Mm -hmm. in New York. Mm -hmm. So was this while you were learning the ropes? Mm -hmm. Um, And for my chefies out there, people that don't know, what is a supper club? And tell me about that.
1: So a supper club is basically like a group of folks who get together around a meal every so often, maybe every quarter, maybe every typically not every day. But when the opportunity presents itself and you have to be. Like you have to apply or even be invited into this club because you want to have like-minded people at this table. Exclusive. Exclusive. You know what I mean? But not, not exclusive, but inclusive. Right. Right. And so what I did with the separate club is create an exclusive, like, experience that was inclusive. Of anyone and everyone who is curious about it. Right. So it wasn't like, oh, you can't come. You can't come. If you love food, if you want to kick it with me. And it if, looks
0: beautiful to you. And you would like an experience.
1: Exactly. So that's what a supper club is. It's just like a club. With people who like to eat and drink.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. And when you were putting it out together, did you have like a certain price point? Like how did you figure those numbers <laughs> out? I didn't know what I was doing.
1: Okay. No. Tell us not. About it. So my first supper club event was Brunch with Day. Okay. It was in my apartment in Brooklyn. I didn't have no tables, no chairs, no nothing. Shout out
0: to Brooklyn.
1: Right. I love Brooklyn. Everything in my house was like basically found objects because one of my roommates was a photographer and he would just go out into the streets and find like a cabinet or a thing. Oh, and he, and he was good at putting it together, but I had to, I had makeshift chairs, makeshift table. I charged $40 for a brunch. Okay. Um, per person, per person, Okay. which was nothing, but it was so lovely. It right. was like maybe eight to 10 women who just came into my house. They came at one. They didn't leave till eight. At one point, they were like, you making dinner, too? I'm like, y'all got to go. Actually, no. <laughs> Actually, we need to
0: wrap it up, okay?
1: So, yeah. But it was a really beautiful space. I mean, we talked, we chatted, and it did exactly what I know that experience does, which is allow people to be themselves and put their guards down and, like, just share in a very real human moment. Anytime right. you get people together around food and drinks and just, like, in the in right curated environment. I mean, I had flowers. I had cute little vases and things yes. like that. You know me. I like the things. Yes. Um, It... Helps people evoke that feeling. You're all about you know? ambiance. Yeah, I'm like...
0: You're all about everything. The smells, gotta senses, match. senses. Every, yes. Yeah, I'm all about that. And yeah. I feel like they're kind. Of, I've they're kind of intimate. Mm-hmm. Like you don't like them to get.
1: I don't, and that's the scale. and that's the thing. Like. As I grew, as I continued to grow, you know, I went from 8 to 10 in my apartment. And 40 up to what? To like, I think the biggest dinner party I ever did was 80 people at the Gucci Atelier in in Harlem. Say that again. (laughs) 80 people at the Gucci Atelier in Harlem. We love that. With Dapper Dan. And um, What's up, Dapper Dan? (laughs) So that was pretty cool. Um, And what was that ticket? Oh, it was a lot more than that. I think on the low end 500... And then on the high end, like probably two or four thousand for the, on the table, package. Yeah. depending on the package and like whether you it was one person or you're buying tables and things like that. So I right. went from $40 in my Brooklyn apartment to up to $5,000 a
0: table with that Yeah, uh huh. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you. That's a beautiful Thank thing. Thank you. Do you remember what you cooked then? A lot of stuff. Because
1: all the menus were based on like a theme, right? So the one with with Dapper Dan um, and Gucci, that was like all of his favorite things to eat. Okay. So it was everything. I mean, it was very soul food heavy, which was like a bit of a challenge for me because that's not my route, but I
0: did bring in soul food focused chefs who helped me like nail. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Mm -hmm. And then, so do you feel like you're going to be doing more of those here? I will. You will. I intend to. Cause I know you've done a few, but it's I've more only of done like just to play around. Yeah. I'm bored. When I'm bored, when I'm, I'm bored. bored, I come, I I'm going to cook, gonna cook. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, you know, these days it's just me and friends. Um, but yeah, usually it would be like a whole thing and I've done two here in Atlanta yes. so far. So I'm hoping as I transition out of my, when is this going to air? Can I say this now? <laughs> out of my corporate job
0: because I'm transitioning, honey. Um that I'll have more freedom to do that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I know that you've done restaurant consulting. Mhm. And of uh, clearly because of your time with Apartment 4B. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that and what that experience was like?
1: Uh sure. I mean, consulting is cool because you're not tied to that specific place for a specific amount of time, and then at the same time, uh, yeah, I think um consulting in particular so i opened department 4b in 2020 um july 2020 and then i left for a year and then i was welcomed back to help them get back on track um so consulting See what happens?
0: <laughs> sometimes you gotta leave for somebody to know how to miss you you know what i'm saying for I people to understand what you contribute
1: it's like that sometimes it is it is like that sometimes so going um you know just consulting as a whole it's kind of being that chef presence mm. in spaces where where there aren't that chef presence, you know, like finding the consistency, getting the systems in order and hoping that they listen when you leave. Right. Um, They don't always listen when you leave, but that's OK. Because okay. the best thing about consulting is you're only there for a limited amount of time. You get paid for a certain amount of time, y'all. You name your price. Yes. And your proven track record shows that you're an expert, so they pay your price. Right. So, ironically enough, I was paid more to consult for 4B than I was paid to open 4B. Okay. So, when I came back, like, my salary was double what I was receiving when I was actually there
0: busting my butt. Well, because then you had to get the, get the money back. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So, how to, actually did you get into consulting?
1: Um, I just learned from other people. Like, I just saw... That other people did it, and I was like, I could do it too, and because of my proven track record. So not only did I open Apartment Four B, but I also opened Rocksteady. I just wasn't there through the opening because I quit like right before they opened. Okay. Um. So you know, I I moved to Atlanta in 2019, September 2019 to get Rocksteady open, and they opened in October of 2019. So a lot of the things still on that menu are my original. Thoughts and ideas. I won't say
0: recipes because they just can't get it right. But with all due respect, but (laughs) no, have you, do you know Brianna? Mm -hmm. Chef Brianna? I hired her. Oh, okay. So have you been there since she's been the executive chef? No, I mean, I go there to uh it's only dance. been a few months now i go to the dance yeah i go to the dance because she's starting to make some changes okay, or whatever good. well i'm i'm asserting very her, her i feel like she's assert she's starting to assert herself and yeah. like, find her voice you know i always feel like we have to support each other yeah i mean honestly spaces. that's
1: amazing i saw it on twitter <laughs> um and Shout i congrac- me <laughs> i saw it on twitter and i congratulated her and i'm very proud of her i mean um i met brianna on instagram and before I even moved her, I had already was like, okay, yeah, she's going to work with me. And yes. she had like a really great knack for pastries. So I was like, oh yeah, you're doing pastries because I can't bake. Right. Um, so to see her like have grown. been with them for so long and have grown and now is taking like full like authority of the space. Then yeah, absolutely. I wish her well. I hope she's like getting in there and giving it to them how they need to get to get it, shout out to <laughs> Brianna at Rocksteady because yeah. it's not easy. It's you know, not it's like easy, students, and you know numbers. what? It's a gorgeous, no, nu- it's a gorgeous space. It is. It's got a lot of potential. I did see her. Look
0: at you. She, okay, see, I'm telling you, she she worked at all the like top <laughs> beautiful spots. Yeah. So I saw Chef Brianna at uh, Brianna. Brianna. She's like you,
1: Island girl. Yes, Brianna at um some kind of like event at Microsoft, and she had made some like stew thing, and I was like, girl, this is fire. Okay. So yeah, like if she's if if she's there, then they definitely will get an upgrade. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I was like, I wonder if you've had it since she took off. No, over. I
1: haven't. I don't eat there. Like, I usually, I go there on Tuesdays. They have an Afrobeat party. And I just, that's that's my vibe. That's your vibe? That's my vibe.
0: Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, back to the consulting. When you first got into it, you just kind of fell into it because you saw other people do it. And I feel like maybe you um, applied your experience in the fashion industry, working numbers, working the Mm -hmm. books, right? Mm Because clearly you have to have a good understanding of working the books before you're Mm -hmm. able to do any sort of consulting i wouldn't i wouldn't advise restaurant consulting and not knowing no how to no i wouldn't numbers. advise it either yeah. i
1: did it because i learned a lot and i developed a lot of systems and templates while opening two different restaurants
0: right with so with rock uh, Rocksteady well, and apartment 4b but you took that that experience with the Dynax group right yes and that too it. that yeah. too
1: all of that so just an incumbent of all my experiences from Knowing like steps of service from working in New York, from the experience that I've had opening multiple restaurants here and saying, okay, well, this could be done better. This could be streamlined. Like it's just, and then now I have all this wealth of knowledge in my Google Drive where it's like templates and formulas and all this different stuff. Well, now all I have to do is plug and play and I can yield the same results for a lot of different businesses.
0: So I know that you're the executive chef at the Thompson Hotel. Do you want to kind of tell me um, about being an executive chef in corporate spaces? How you feel Hmm. about that and the inner workings?
1: Yeah. So it's layered. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like anything I've ever dealt with before. It's different because this is a hotel, yeah, and not a um, a restaurant. Right. There's a huge. I'm no. I'm realizing now. There's a huge difference in a hotel, especially like a property like the Thompson, which is like grand scale, like luxury Hyatt property. So, um,
0: it's, been so it's interesting- a Lux, it's a Lux Hyatt property. Yeah. Property it's like and a, a, boutique, yeah,
1: and a boutique hotel. So it's, it's nice. And it's, yes. I've, let's just say I've learned so much, right. I've grown so much and you know, I'm still there, but whatever experience I've gotten, I will take with me to my next thing.
0: Right. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely not, is it is it more male and what what is the, like the community space? Is well, it more male dominant? Honestly, is it more not like us spaces? No, you'd be surprised. At the Times in the Hotel, there's there's a all the chefs are
1: black. Nice. All the chefs are black. I've never been in a space like that before. All the chefs are black. Okay. Um there's only like three male chefs to the seven chefs altogether. Okay. So that's pretty great.
0: Yes, it is. You don't get that often. You, you don't, don't get, get that often, and and I
1: and I guess because we are in Atlanta too, it's um, it's 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 that's why it's so black. To be honest, I right. think that's why because that we are still the experts here. You know, it's still Atlanta is still very black. Right. So the experts in the field are doing this job, and so I just want to be I, I want to be clear. So I'm in it. I'm an executive at the Thompson. So that's right. the thing. It's like, because it's a corporate space, there's more than one executive chef. Okay, Right. So explain it to so, the chefies out there so, for the ones that don't know. I'm the executive chef de cuisine, which okay. means that my role is to change the menus is okay. to uh, like give the food space an identity. Um, and then I have an executive chef who's on top of me and he oversees all of the, the, the chefs and all the numbers and the business. Kiss the hands,
0: kiss the baby. Exactly.
1: And then there's an executive sous chef. Who cooks, cooks in, on the line. Who cooks on the line? So as well. it's
0: like, we gotta, inform yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so
1: this executive chef oversees the other chefs, cooks on the line, steps in when needed. Right. And then there's an executive banquet chef and he does yep. all the cooking for all the parties. It's a hotel. So we have bookings all the time. Exactly. Um, and then we have an executive pastry chef and she does all the pastries. pastries. Um, and then from there we have sous chefs and all the sous chefs are the second in command to all the set chefs, uh, like the managers, right? Um, and then we have the cooks. Yeah. Um, who are honestly no less than the chefs. The cooks. Well, the cooks it. are the ones doing the, the cooks work do on, on the line. To
0: be honest, the yes. Chefs the, the cooks are the ones that do the work on the line. I
1: always say, "You're, I'm only as good as my cooks. Right. I'm only as good of a chef as I am, as my cooks are. The teams so, are so
0: important. So important. And learning yeah. how to speak people's language so that they will do the work mm-hmm. for you. you That's know, important I well. think is a... Big thing. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about being in charge of a team and what you've learned about? Yeah. I used to run around talking about, I'm a boss, I'm a boss, mm-hmm. I'm a boss. And then I had to realize that I didn't really know how to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And it's two different things. Mm-hmm. And so I know how to boss people around, mm-hmm. but that didn't mean that people wanted to work for me mm-hmm. or that I made people feel good at the end of the day mm-hmm. or that I even cared. It was more or less, mm-hmm. I'm really military too. So mm-hmm. I started out, um, Well, I went to culinary, but I worked in a hotel. Mm -hmm. I started out as a banquet prep and worked my way up. And so Mm -hmm. just like you, like I was in boot camp. Mm -hmm. Um, So my level of expectation and how I operate in the kitchen is kind of it had been an authority. So it's Mm -hmm. different between a boss and a leader. So what have you learned since you've been in that position?
1: Um, I think I'm more of a leader than a boss. Okay. Um, Have you always been that way? Yes. Okay. Because I actually think that it's more effective to it be is. than a boss it is. It is. because you can lead people anywhere right they don't want to be bossed around like no you know what I'm saying so like they don't yeah like it then there's a difference it's all in the tone it's all in the delegation but then are there's also like um a fine line between like having to a fine line where you do have to assert yourself right as a boss right yes. because you know right now I have two women who work with me I have I have a staff of four because I work in the private club that's upstairs at the top of the restaurant. And the two ladies, two of the ladies are uh, wives. They're married to each other and they're from, um, Jesus, I can't, El Salvador. Okay. And they are amazing. Mm -hmm. Like they're the sweetest women ever and they do the work. They do the job. They're amazing cooks. But I have found that I had to reel it back when I, once I started to become a little too much of their friend friend yeah and because i'm i i'm a more of a nurturing leader yeah. than i am a stern boss mm. and so there'd be times where it's like okay your you, your stations are not ready right oh well chef we're gonna be slow today okay but you should still, still be, be ready. ready you should still be <laughs> ready there's always yeah, something I mean, to do so i definitely have i definitely have learned how to assert yourself how to assert myself and how to separate Find a balance. yeah finding a balance between being a boss and and being a leader, and not toggling too far into being their friend.
0: Yeah, I'm not really a fan of... Um if we're working, I have mm-hmm. to try to tell people because I've had a few people that I'm friends with come and work with me. And mm-hmm. I tell them, like, "When well, we're at work. Mm-hmm. I'm you're, Like, you're working for me. I am the boss. Mm-hmm. We're not friends no more. So mm-hmm. if I need something done, I'm not going to be able to coddle you. Right. And hold your hand. Yeah. And I, so- I, I, I can't
1: hire my friends anymore because no. <laughs> cause yes. I've, cause I've Cause i Because I've done it too. So that's that's a funny thing too because as much of a leader as I am, I still have that, like, direct get this done within this amount of time, do this, do da 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 So like, I still have those motivations because of the spaces that I've like kind of come up in as a chef. Right. Um, So there has been instances where I was hiring my friends too. And they're like, Oh my God, you're a bitch. Oh, ooh, and yes. I'm like, and I'm like, dude, I have to be, cause I need you to get this done. like the work done. Cause I'm serious and you're not serious because you're used to day, like right. sunshine, yeah. happy, like, and, and we're friends and we're friends and chef day is like, no, do that, do this, put this here. And it's like my the tone changes. Right. There's no more coddling. There's no
0: more honey sweetie babe. Yeah. It's just like get it done. So Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> learning the balance of being a better leader.
1: Yeah. I think that's really important. There's a lot to it. Like and especially even in Atlanta because Um, it's still the South. So the Southern sensibility is very much here. Whereas in New York, I could get away with saying what the hell to someone (laughs) and they wouldn't even flinch. Not even trying to write you up. Like,
0: writing you up. I, often. I talk
1: with my hands clearly, and right. this is menacing and intimidating to and some. aggressive to some people here. Yes. And I'm like, oh my god! Like I'm just a New Yorker.
0: This is respectability, and I'm politics, and black woman, right?
1: And I'm Caribbean, so I speak with my hands, and sometimes I don't know if I'm being too loud. Sometimes I'm just excited and right. passionate. I'm not angry. I'm not aggressive. So right. there's all of that too. So, so having there. to deal with that.
0: Yeah, so yeah. do you feel like you deal with a lot of, like, cultural, like, getting, getting people to understand, like, your cultural identity and your approach? Yeah. Because do you still feel like you're still trying to figure it out or that other people are trying to figure out how to take it?
1: People are trying to figure out how to take me okay. because it's—I have so much of a cultural identity, yeah. right? There's the Haitian woman. Right. There's the New Yorker. There's the Miami girl. There's the person who grew up in male-dominated kitchens where all you did was get yelled at and cussed at. Right. And
0: I talk like a sailor. And I nobody cares about your feelings. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> Are you so, trying? You better go stand in the So walk-in. there's
1: that. And then what i what I think I've had the biggest issue with is that um oftentimes when people go to hire me, it's like, oh my God, we love you. We love how bright and energetic and passionate and how you talk with your hands and how you're just this person. And it's like, we want you because we want you to res- represent us in this capacity. We want, we want a confident black woman leading this and doing this. Right. Right. The actuality of what that looks like. They don't always understand until it happens. And then I'm being told to quiet down. Right. Or I'm being told to make myself small or I'm being mm-hmm. told to fall back. And it's like, but wait, you hired me to do this job and I'm doing it the best way that I know how. Um And sometimes sometimes. They want you to do a job. They don't give you standards. They don't give you boundaries. They don't give you benchmarks. They don't give you any real ways to understand how to do that job. And then so you deliver in the best way that you know how. Right. And then all of a sudden you've been doing everything wrong. Right. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, (laughs) y'all didn't tell me if you would have given me a guidebook. Right. And said, these are the parameters then I could do it. But you threw me in. You said, hey, we love you. We want you. Everything you stand for, all of who you are, come into this space and give us day and then what they when they sit with it, they're like, "Ooh, we didn't want that day." So it's kind of like a double edged sword. It is, and oftentimes I feel like when I'm, I know this is gonna sound crazy, when I'm loud and boisterous and passionate and smiling and attitude and right. all of that, and it's at the it's at the benefit of others. Right. They love me. When it's me trying to do it the to express myself, yeah, I gotta quiet down. Right. And that literally has been such a God's working on me. Right. Right. Because I'm not because I'm a very jovial, happy person regardless. Right. Right. But in that same jovial, happy way, I express myself very emotionally. Right. With that same joy and boisterous, loud personality. But at the defense of myself, it's wrong. And and that really, that's really uneasy for me.
0: So do you feel like in these corporate spaces, you've um, had to start addressing maybe like more of your mental health? Yes. I just took a month and a half long sabbatical because of it. Okay.
1: Because of exactly what I just explained. Okay.
0: So do you feel like that's kind of like a suffocating feeling? Do you feel like you started going through like anxiety or things like that? Yes. Okay. And anxiety manifests in so many ways. It manifests, so many ways, y'all.
1: It manifests in the way of me losing everything. Okay. There was one week where I lost my wallet, my AirPods, my phone. Like in the space where I work at, like how am I just losing things? Right. You know, um, or even not being able to separate work from home. And I come home and my beautiful, gentle Partner who is so unproblematic, right? Like my partner Ray, they have they them pronouns. They're so kind, so chill. Hey Ray, not at all like me. Not just talking with your hands. Like Ray is from Cali, gentle, gentle chill, hey, and, and I'll come home and everything. Like, and then these motherfuckers, and I'll go on for like two hours, and my poor baby just sits there and like make space for me to right. to do that, and it's like there were there was a week where i came home and had three breakdowns in front of ray and our relationship is still very new and i never really wanted them to see me that way right and i had three breakdowns in front of them and that's when i realized oh my god i am losing my mind like i'm like i have ptsd right i didn't realize it okay until the triggers became so easy like it was so easy for anything to just be like oh my god and so like, are you in therapy? Yeah, I'm in therapy. Okay. Um, Heavily medicated. It's great. Okay. And honestly, I think... And what does that look like for you if, you, if it, you're comfortable It's just exploring. It. Like, sometimes we have chemical imbalances. Right. You know, and our brains don't produce serotonin or any of the other chemicals we need to be happy because of trauma, because of uh, genetic well, things. Well, mental... I
0: always say that mental health is just as important as... Physical health. Spiritual health. Either, even so, academic health like as as if i'm honest mental health
1: is the most important it is i think that your mental health trickles down to everything else if you're not mentally sound you're not going to be sound physically spiritually emotionally okay like because when you're mentally healthy when you feel good you want to work out right when you feel when you feel bad you feel like it's a it's a task it's a chore right but you know you're getting older and you have to move your body more you got to stretch you got to take your vitamins right when you're happy when you're balanced,
0: you look forward to the walk.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you look forward exactly. to Exactly. So, yeah, so yeah. to be honest, because our brain is literally the receptor of everything else, like our brain and our gut is what controls our whole body. If your brain is not where it's supposed to be, it's sending signals to your gut, and your gut's not where it's supposed to be, and that's sending signals to, to the rest of your body. Right. So, mental health, I think, is the most important. So, I take medicines that just help give me a little a little boost nothing that's habit forming or like a narcotic but i didn't get to i didn't grow the right chemical things while i was in my mother's womb and or throughout my developmental stages to
0: maintain my happy one of my therapists along the way kind of um, explained it of we have we don't necessarily we weren't necessarily given the tools in our toolbox yeah and so um, mental health is always something that's important to me. I've suffered from debilitating depression yeah. where sometimes I can't leave. I can't Same. move. Yeah. And um, so mental health is super important to me. So I truly appreciate you. Yeah. Giving us that insight,
1: yeah, um, yeah, because we need to stop making it feel like it's taboo
0: and a stigma, and it's not because really sometimes like well, this is pressure for us as black women. Mm-hmm. I mean, black men too. Where there's just so much pressure, mm-hmm. we have to work ten times harder, and then you know, if we want if we want certain lifestyles, we have to maintain those. You know, mm-hmm. it's one thing to get it. How do you maintain it? Mm-hmm. And it's just like kind of like a hamster wheel sometimes. Right. So I'm happy that you were able to talk about that. So you also do private chefing Mm -hmm. and I know that you're kind of, you're figuring things out right now Mm -hmm. with your current position. Mm -hmm. So do you, moving on from this, do you see yourself doing more consulting or do you want to switch back to private
1: Um, uh, chefing? I want to do anything that allows me to spend my time how I want to spend my time. I don't want to get back into being a full-time private chef because there's no time, right? right? Like, it's just, you know.
0: It's their time. It's their
1: time. It's the time. Um time. I don't want to get into consulting unless it's the right thing. Like, I, I don't want to do anything because I need to do it or because I have a fear of lack.
0: You want to do it because you, you want to do it. And
1: because I'm good at it and because y'all should be paying me to do it. Right. Like, I want to get paid to do what I'm best at. I want to get paid to do the things that I love. I want to get paid... To be myself. So do you see yourself opening your own restaurant? That scares the shit out of me. So you don't see it? I, I do, but okay. it scares the shit out of me. That's just the honest truth. Well, you just got to
0: play with other people's
1: money. Well, yeah, but I'm not the type of person that's going to play with other people's money and not worry about how to maintain. Like, even though it's
0: somebody else's money, it's my reputation. It's right. my time. My well, I don't know. If you, see, yeah. if you look at the track record, the places that, you, you know, that you've opened... Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's looking pretty solid. It's looking to pretty, me. yeah, yeah. It's
1: looking pretty solid to me. I think the fear comes from the PTSD, <laughs> the PTSD of having open restaurants. Like all of my experiences in combination in Atlanta have been the best and the worst.
0: Well, you know what I try to do when I'm dealing with that type of stuff is putting a time limit on it. Mm. Like literally, like I, certain things you. Sometimes our brain can be a mental prison. Mm. Like the, our, 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 literally our heads can be a jail cell. We're replaying something over and over. We haven't forgiven ourselves. We think we did the wrong thing. We're obsessing over things that haven't even happened. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We're obsessing about things that aren't already done. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I catch myself in those times, because mm-hmm. they do happen, I have to tell, okay, we got 24 hours or okay, mm-hmm. we got 48 hours. And then I have to like flush it out and like Mm -hmm. let it go. Of course, there's some things where you have to figure out the route Mm -hmm. and and pull it up or whatever. But I feel like you make really good money with consulting. Mm -hmm. So maybe uh, manifesting it looking like all of them have time limits Mm -hmm. and not necessarily until you get the capital Mm -hmm. for the bigger thing. You know what I'm saying? Or till you get that relationship where they'll allow you to be you and give you the budget, right? Mm-hmm. What would that actually look like? I don't know. Well, what
1: would it look like with someone giving me the budget and allowing me- The dream. But I mean, It could be exactly the way you- Babe, but there's so many layers to the dream. Like, I'm such a multidisciplinary, okay. like, the dream is, right? Like I'm a Reed household Roger? name. <laughs> I'm a household name. I'm on television. Okay. I have retail items that I sell that are- uh, food related items, house, like home goods things, you know, I love to interior design. Okay. Home goods things, like I don't know, whatever. Um, you know. The I, Haitian Martha Stewart. The Haitian Martha Stewart. Yeah. Is the dream. Yeah. Or not even like just me. Like, me literally living in the alignment where I get paid
0: to do what I no, need. but I just want like can. Martha Stewart is it's that the pinnacle. Commitment. The I mean? She's been to the. I say. I say that a lot. Shout, shout out to Martha. I say that. I say that. Shout out to Martha. I say that, okay. okay. She she got the farm. She, did. she still got she the look. She's like I'm 70s. I'm yeah, still about she, to put the doubt
1: on it. We we. Okay. I I am mad at her. But yeah, this side like, yeah. like, like okay. a cross between Martha Stewart and Oprah. Okay. 'Cause I wanna I wanna be on television and talk about it. Okay. But I also wanna like sell the things, make the things, do the stuff, open the restaurant. Okay. Like all of that. All right. Yeah. Okay. If that's what I
0: want. So what would the what would that show kinda look like though? Would it be like, what was that one chick's name back in the day on like BET? Rachel something? Rachel Ray? No. No. Oh, I it was, was gonna a say black it was Arabian TV. girl, Rachel something, Rachel. Oh, there was uh-huh. a chef. <laughs> she wasn't a chef. She was just some chick that traveled around. I forget what her name okay. is, but like, how would it look? So it would look like you're saying kind of Oprah Eve. Yeah. So
1: it would look like you come into my home, which is obviously a set or something, and we're making this, this meal together and we're talking about the meal. We're talking about the things we're doing, but then we're also talking about where we are in the world. Like, interview kind of vibes like almost like this but just with a little bit more mechanic. yeah if I
0: had the budget yeah if <laughs> I when well, I get the budget we're, we're gonna <laughs> add the kitchen <laughs> yeah leave it yeah. the kitchen so, is coming
1: because because the kitchen is such a pivotal part of conversation right it like for it's us.
0: us yeah and then us being able to cook together hello yeah hello. Yeah. For yeah sure okay. so it
1: would look like that and I mean you know or maybe it would look like the day of I don't know. It's so funny because the producers are asking me, like, what does it look like? Yeah, but don't
0: don't give them too much. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Because they like to take the ideas and run off. And, and give it and to it somebody, somebody else, huh? Yeah, because, mm-hmm. you know, television business is like uh the record business. It's mm-hmm. like ooh, people will be excited and then all of a sudden you'll be on the shelf because new VPs came in, somebody got mm-hmm. fired. So it's like, and then sometimes they literally, because cause a lot of times they like for us to sign up and they'll be like, oh, it's going to be one thing and then you get there and it's something totally different that you yeah. didn't sign up for. Yeah. So then it's just like, you don't really want to be a part of it. So it's yeah. about finding like that 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 space and so i'm happy that you actually brought up the aspirations of being a tv more notable tv uh personality i was looking i was looking for the word (laughs) um so a tv personality because you've been on guys grocery games Mm -hmm. and was it chopped Mm -hmm. okay and what were those experiences like it was fun it was fun my first
1: uh guys grocery games it went by like this, like those thirty minutes to make those dishes. I, it, I was hot. I was running. It was a lot. So, it, but it was. It. I never thought I'd be the competition chef, but because it opens up an opportunity for me to be on television, right? And now I'm noticing that I am. Competitive, And I do want to win. And, you know, the more you understand how the TV works and how the shows work, the, the better, the easier it gets for you. And I guess I make good TV, so they keep inviting me back. So, right. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so you kind of talked about already what that would look like um, show-wise. Mm-hmm. But what would, like, your dream restaurant look like? Oh, my God. It would be...
1: Floor to ceiling windows everywhere. I'd have a tree right smack dab in the middle of the restaurant. It would be almost inside outside vibes. Okay. Where like there'd be so much plants you won't even know if you're inside or outside. so Farm to table ish. Farm to table ish. Um, although if I'm honest, knowing where the industry is going, that that's not a, that's not actually the most sustainable thing right now. To mm-hmm. assume that you could be a farm to table restaurant just is it takes a lot more money and a lot more resources. Yeah. Um but you know
0: God is good. I might have those money, that money and the resources. Well sometimes you don't have to create the will. It's already there. Mm-hmm. And somebody needs the help. So ah. some either they're old and they don't want to let it go and yeah. they need you know it's out Yeah. There. Please yeah, believe for it. Sure. I was always I received that. I received that. Okay. Yeah. So kind of like the inside outside feel and what kind of food would you be serving? Whatever I feel like it whatever you whatever whether it's so you would like to change as as often as possible i hate the set menu yeah
1: i hate it all chefs do but when it comes down to making money you kind of the customer always wants the same thing regulars are who keep you yeah and not even that it's just the dollars and cents of it all right to make it make sense to change like your menu as often as you would want to takes a lot of like money right because you have to you have, to have the, you have to have the stuff and the people and you have to be able to pay people who work well enough that they can take last minute changes. Right. You know, right before service, like you're like, oh, I want to roll out this 16 course tasting menu. They're like, oh, we don't even know how to do that. Exactly. You so, want some gelé. Right. So <laughs> so then you need to be able to have the people to pay the gelé people. right? You know, so and then you have to be able to have the money so that if yesterday you didn't sell off that menu, you don't see much of a loss or you're transitioning into the, it's just, you know, back in my day, back back in my back in your day. Back in my day. Back in my <laughs> dream sequence of becoming a chef, I thought that all these things were so possible. And they are. But the food space is really changing. Right. And we have to be more considerate of our consumption. So maybe I don't change my menu every day because I feel like it because I'm wasting too much food. Right. And you know, hopefully we don't never get to it, but there may be a time where we s- food becomes a true scarcity.
0: Right. And dining out It's happening already. It's happening already yeah, in very small ways, in very small doses. Larger ways than what people know. Mm-hmm. Especially with the yeah. chickens and the eggs and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then all of that stuff that happened with Ohio and the toxins mm-hmm. eat It's bad out here. Yeah. Uh, but truly, if you guys were more educated on what was going on in the food space, you would be terrified to eat and drink these days. It's it's, it's scary. I try not to think about it. Try not to. <laughs> so okay. For our recipe for success so for my chefies out there or food professionals that are looking to take that leap of faith and either get into restaurant consulting or the private chef space, what would be your top three things to advise? You choose which one you want to talk about and give us three things
1: Mm, for the newbies, the little babies Um, pace yourself, don't take on too much Okay. Be right. realistic. Be realistic of what you can do,
0: and honest with yourself, and honest
1: with yourself and your clients. Okay, like p- big time. Be honest with yourself and your clients. Your word is all you have, right? Okay. Two, do
0: the research. Are we saying for private shopping? for everything? Okay. Whether for it's everything. private, for
1: whether it's private shopping, consulting or going into uh an executive chef job in a restaurant yes you got to know your demographic who, who are you feeding right what space are you going to be in what are you capable of of, of producing don't over and under- deliver. under deliver yeah right so but doing your research you know that like right. learning you know and ask all the questions no question is a bad question whether it's your boss a client or you know a food client or uh consulting client ask them what they want Not what you think they need. Ask them what they want. Take the notes. Put them in bullet points. And those are the deliverables. So that, because what happens often is like, you tell them, hey, I'm going to do all these things. And you're saying it in chef terms or professional terms. And they don't know what any of that means. Right. You have to simplify it and outline it so they know what to expect. And that way, whenever you come back down to the table and you're like, oh, hey, you said you wanted three meals a day and you want them to look like X, Y, Z. Remember when you wrote it down and I and I took, like, it's just, Everything in writing. Okay. Everything in writing. Everything means, in writing. Everything in writing. And finally, it's your job, not your work. Okay. So it's okay to transition in and out of any job. Right. It's okay to transition from being a private chef to a consultant. Right. It's okay to go back into a corporate space and take on a corporate job and being an exec. You can be all of the things. You can do, you can do all the things. because. You because it's your job, not your work. Right. Your work is to continue to find the thing that allows you to be of service and to be a reflection of love in this space. Okay. Right. Your job is the thing that keeps the food on the table. It's what we do because we live in a capitalistic space. So boundaries are key, y'all. Yeah. So boundaries are key. Like your job versus your work. Like just always being able to identify the two, and that's gonna that's
0: gonna spare your feelings a lot. Okay. Yeah. All right. Those was, that was a solid three. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then for our palate cleanser. Okay. After you were cooking all day and you get home, what are you making for yourself to eat? A bowl of cereal. A bowl of cereal. Frosted Flakes. Okay. With yep. cereal, girl. Yep.
1: I, th- two parts milk, three parts cereal. Okay. Yep. Be specific. Yep, you heard. I gotta have my my little frosted flakes. In the are corner. you having a regular milk? or Are you having? Like I'm having old milk. Milk. I'm oat a, milk. Oat milk or almond. Okay. Yeah, I don't do regular almond. dairy. Not really. I, I cheat. I still eat. I ice cream. like cheese. I, I like ice cream. I like cheese. I like I butter. Mean, I like but, the things. But
0: I'm not gonna drink <laughs> regular milk in my cereal. Not every know? day. No. Yeah. No. Um. Okay. And then when you are creating in the kitchen, what is like your go to music to listen to? Like the first thing you would like turn on. Mmm.
1: Oh, that's a hard one because, oh, because you know I want to say oh, I'm listening to jazz and I'm now I'm listening to trap music. Angsty, okay. angsty black girl rap. Okay, like I'm listening to Mulatto. I'm listening to Glorilla. I'm listening to uh, She's I'm going back. I'm listening to Lil Kim. I'm listening to Foxy oh, Brown. I love I'm listening to I'm listening to angsty like loud woman music. Okay, like let's call it that angsty. Hear me roar. I'm taking up space. Here's power. who I am. Right, like feeling that myself. That power. Power. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. That's what I'm listening <laughs> to. I'm listening. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and then for the for our dessert, mm-hmm. tell us about the Mama Project. The
1: Mama Project, mm-hmm. girl, you didn't did you? You did you did your research? Yeah, tell us about it. That's so funny. Oh my god, I wow okay bring it back bring it back so i was in a cohort in brooklyn what's that um a cohort a cohort cohort is a collaboration of either artists or doers and thinkers who work in unison to do a service project or to grow or to become like uh, leaders in their fields or whatever so this was like an artist project that i did um in new york city and basically, what I did was interview uh mothers in the spa in in the Brooklyn area that I was assigned and interview them and get to know how they feed their children oh um, and whether they had a lot, whether they had a little or whether they were in in between because you know new york it, the boroughs in New York can be very big food desserts, especially brooklyn yes. so um the women i interviewed three different women in Crown Heights who had three different uh income levels, one okay. of them was uh, very wealthy uh housewife uh, another one was a grandmother who was taking care of her grandkids and another was like a um well-to-do woman who worked and took care of her kids so basically i think that moms always make the best something like my mom makes the best chicken my mom makes the best rice etc so i wanted to study how these women fed their kids um where they went to shop how they you know what their missions were and like how they gathered their families around food, whether or not they had schedules where they could all sit down and eat together or not, or whether it was all just grab and go. Um, and then I took their best recipe for something and put it in a book. Okay. Um, and that book was published within the cohort. Uh, and it was like their recipes in a book. And basically, uh, they were to get a percentage of the sales of the book okay um unfortunately because i moved to atlanta in the mm-hmm. middle of that project i didn't get to see it through all the okay. way that's why
0: i'm like how do you know about this i'm like i got a really good producer her name is quana shout out to quana like girl i mean i did a lot but she did a lot she does the, the whole entire wow. outline and then i go through at the end that's dope but I yeah go a little was, deeper because she actually produces yeah. multiple shows that's she, dope she, She's wow girl
1: go ahead um but yeah it was an amazing project that i really wish i could have finished because um it was actually something that i wanted to do on a grander scheme was going into like the diaspora and like going to parts of africa and the caribbean and all these different parts and learning how mothers feed their kids because i think that mothers and women are the cornerstone of food
0: you know i think that you could do that initiative here yeah you think so yeah and it's women it's women history month there's yeah. all kind of, there's all kind of people with money laying around right now. Yeah. You
1: got the time? Should, no, not so much anymore because I gotta get back to work soon, but not if you could
0: collect an easier check. I know. <laughs> I'm serious. Leaning into that purpose work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like there's a whole total different um, energy in your aura and how you talk when you're actually doing stuff for women and children. hmm It's a totally different. It is. It's a totally different thing. It is. So I might, you know what I'm saying? I might be, might be where the energy needs to go, and happy. so do you think that she'll be doing any type of initiatives like that? I would like to. Now that we I it up, would, I would really like to. I mean, I've
1: been trying to get um, in touch with. Uh, well, I'm in touch, but I want to work for Gooder, which is. um okay. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but no, it's Gooder. It's, gooder is dope. From what I know of them, it's a black woman who started feeding the homeless out of her house. Okay. And she has um essentially grown that platform to leveraging logistics and technology to use, um like, food that would otherwise be wasted in restaurant spaces yes. to give back to the community.
0: Nice. So,
1: and, like, when I found out about it, I was like, wait, this exists? That's here? It's here. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. A black woman made it. Shout out to you, uh-huh. Black Girl Magic. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I'm, like... That's the purpose driven work. So, that yeah, if I had know, to have they a back job. Yeah, I the
0: mama project. Yeah. Ch- call it something else. Yeah. I might, to, I might have to, I might have to do toys. that. You know, that's so funny you guys call don't that. make no oh. mistakes. The higher power don't wow. make no mistakes. Wow, and you had to leave it for last, huh? That was yeah. that was a good one. That's good. I'm one. telling you, I'm telling you, my product, my producer helped lay this out. I ain't even gonna take that credit because we <laughs> do the recipe for success, the palette cleanser, the dessert, and now we are about to wrap it up. <laughs> for my shummies out there that want to follow you, where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Is anything coming up that they could they should be on the lookout for?
1: Um. Well, nothing coming up, but. Continued excellence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Something I have, is coming up. She just can't talk. Um, about it. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> um, but uh, you can find me on Instagram, Chef Day D A Y underscore, because somebody else got the Chef Day name and they haven't been on Instagram since 2014. And that's not. And her. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to get my name back. But you all see this beautiful face. It's not me. It's not me. So, um, Chef Day underscore on Instagram, and then on Twitter, it's Dopest Day. Okay. Um, so and I tweet. I'm not telling. really a Twitter person. I'm not. I'm a visual person. Find her on Instagram. So. Instagram, Instagram. On Instagram. underscore is lit.
0: My stories are lit. I do a lot of my stories. Tune into those old yeah. episodes of a Guys Grocery. Games yes and chop. Yes. And be on the lookout for this beautiful face right here. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Shavita, for joining good. me. for Share this. Thank are you. And we out. We out. we funny. wrap the season. Yeah.
1: Woo.